Yeah, you do. We're going to basically be kissing during this whole yeah, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Super Together. I am James Cochran, and I am just tickled pink <laughs> by having one of my favorite people in the whole wide world here with me for today's special episode. Um, who are you? I'm Lindsay. This is Lindsay. You've heard so much about her through the first 32 episodes of Super Together. Lindsay is my wife. And we've been married for about 10 years. And a few weeks ago, uh, maybe a month or so ago, Ginger had the wonderful idea of um, having some special podcast interactions where each of us connected with our partners and had some conversations about what we wish we'd known. Um, specifically, thinking about where we were when our relationship began and what are some of the things that we feel like we have come to know over the course of our relationships that, man, they would have been really helpful if we had known from the beginning. So Lindsay is doing something she's never done before. She is sitting down to do a podcast with me. Uh, how is your anxiety about this process on a scale of one to 10, Lindsay? 10. No, 10. I'm just kidding. It's probably like a six or seven. Okay. Six or seven is totally fair. Um, I'm going to try to pretend like I'm just talking to you and it's, there's not a microphone in our face. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's great. Um, and when you do talk, make sure the microphone is in your face so that it can actually hear you. Um, Shoot, am I not talking loud enough? Will you watch you're, it? You're fine. You're doing fine. It's, it's harder for me to watch it from where I'm sitting. Do you want to switch spots? Sure. Okay. Okay, good. Now I can see <clears throat> where we are. Okay. So we've talked a little bit about what this might look like. Um, what are some of the things that we've navigated? Maybe we could just kind of tell people our story, um, kind of the story of our relationship together. Um, <laughs> when when did we meet? Well, do you really want me to tell it? Because I will tell a longer version than you probably. <laughs> so one of the things that we wish we'd known, or I wish I'd known, is how <laughs> long-winded Lindsay is in the way that she tells stories. Um, no, that's fine. You can um, you can tell the story, and I'll motion to you to speed things along okay. if it feels like it's taking too long. So we first met in high school. We were sophomores at the beginning of our sophomore year. And started dating, broke up about a couple months in and then um got back together the next summer dated until about that winter broke up again but that time we maintained our friendship and by easter we or i guess i should say i made um, a leap of faith and trusted my my intuition, I guess you can say, that had been telling me that I still loved you for um, the entirety of our time apart. And yeah, I guess the rest is history. Yeah, so our, we were 16 right. when we started dating in a way that stuck. Wait, really? 2006? Yeah, we were 16, right? Or you were 16, I was not quite 16? No, you were 17, I was 16. 2006. I would have been. Those details are less important. We were juniors <laughs> in high school. No, that's fine. Um, so we were juniors in high school. Uh, we went to college together mm -hmm. uh, at William Jewell. Uh, you were Jimmy. studying nursing. I was studying psychology. Uh, what were you going to say? I said Jimmy proposed when we were freshmen yeah. in college and scared um, a few people, I think, my mom. <laughs> So you were 19 at the time. Yes. I was 18. Yep. 
And I just knew like, this is my girl. This is who I want to be with. Um, so, but I mean, we were, we were basically children. We were <laughs> a stone's throw away from being babies. And, um, but we knew we had a, a deep connection with each other based on more than, you know, maybe what you would stereotypically identify as the things that draw 18, 19 year olds together. Um, I would also say that we were pretty mature for our age. I agree. Um, we're pretty mature. We're pretty mature. Are pretty mature. We remain relatively mature, I think. So, um, yeah, so we got married. Uh, we, um, you had one more year left at William Jewell. Um, I went to grad school uh, to become a therapist. Um, we lived off ramen noodles and student loans for a minute. Ramen noodles? Uh, well, I guess I ate more ramen noodles than you did. You pr probably kind of one hand the number of times you've eaten ramen noodles in your life. Um, I remember early on having a lot of peanut butter um, and uh, soda pop. We had a lot more. Oh, I mean, and uh, frozen pizza. We had a ton of frozen pizza. I was going to say, um, I don't recall any of those things. I remember no. our diet was different, but. Okay. How do you remember our diet? I don't know what you would call it. <laughs> <laughs> more easy, quick meals. Sure, sure. Like, I feel like we tried to make meals. I never grew up cooking, so, like, that was just not something I was familiar with. But I feel like we tried to follow some recipes that were more quick sure. given our schedules and how much we were trying to study and you know yeah. be together yeah that I think that that brings up a good point and I'm not sure this is going to be a pretty free-flowing conversation lens you know take a deep breath everything's going great um you're making faces at me like you don't <laughs> understand what I'm trying to communicate um so I think about roles right so you didn't cook very much um and the way that sometimes those roles came forward organically and other times they didn't. Um, so like organically it felt like, okay, like I generally had a measure of comfort in cooking. So I cooked more than you did. Um, those things kind of fell into place by default. Um, one of the things that I feel like we definitely didn't early on and is still kind of a learning edge for us is like finances, figuring out like, how do we each show up in that space in a way that is going to make us both feel like our needs are being met? Um, you know, and we, we talked a little bit in the, you know, financial podcast, you know, how do we manage money podcast? Um, I'm more of a spender, you're less of a spender. Uh, but also just in terms of things like, like tracking, like what's the best way for us to pay attention to that? What was your experience of our, the way that we dealt with money early on? Did you experience it as, uh, anxiety provoking early on? I'm, I'm not sure at which point in our marriage I can remember this being, but I remember feeling like there was a, I felt like it was a burden to have to track. I felt I needed to, but I remember not liking to. Mm -hmm. Um, and sure. I would like track it on an Excel spreadsheet. And I don't think that I was very consistent with it because it was time consuming. Yes, closer is what I meant to say. <laughs> I didn't know if you were trying to say speak up or get closer no, to the mic. No, get closer to the mic. Um, but I don't know which point that happened because I also know I was somewhat preoccupied in our first year about just being a student and learning. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if I spent, you know, 
lots of time stressing about it, but I do know that it became, you know, a stressor off and on early on. Yeah, yeah. I think part of what I, uh, part of what I think you're naming is the idea that that was not something that felt easy. It felt, it didn't, no. it didn't feel like there was a ready-made template for, oh, here's how you navigate money. Here's how you track it. Here's how you decide how much you're going to spend and all that kind of thing. Um, and the challenge I think that we found early on, and, and we're both pretty blessed in terms of how we entered the relationship as it comes to money and, um, feeling like we were, um, I don't know that we ever really felt like we weren't going to be able to pay our bills. I mean, we've mostly been in a place of privilege in that regard. Um, but still, I think that we, neither of us really wanted to do like the hard work related to money, like in terms of managing the budget on a regular basis. I think your anxiety was probably a little higher, so you were more motivated over the course of the years to do that. Um, but I think that if, if I was going to encapsulate that, and there's other examples, I think, of how we you negotiated those roles. Um, you know, sex is one that you probably don't want to like go into a whole lot of detail about, but is one that it took us a long time to figure out what's the right rhythm and balance for, you know, who's going to initiate and when they're going to initiate and how is that initiation going to be received under certain, certain circumstances. Uh, I think for both of us, the book Come As You Are was really helpful, and that's a book I recommend to a lot of folks. Um, but, you know, money, sex, and, and a lot of other high-conflict spaces, there were a lot of things that felt for us like we, you know, it would have been great if as part of our premarital counseling, because we had a couple of sessions of premarital counseling, not a whole lot, where we really nailed down the, okay, like, what is your level of comfort going through money, and how do you, um, how do you feel like you can balance that in the, in the space of the relationship? Perhaps in the recognition that neither of us are really going to be that interested in doing it, but that it's probably something that we need to do for that to be healthy. Does that make sense? No, I agree. I think that they're in the the premarital counseling that I remember, I remember maybe only doing one. Yeah, one or two. But I feel like it was more of like a spiritual counseling. Mm -hmm. It was more like, you know. How are we going to navigate know. issues of faith and, you know, how are we going to like pray yeah, like are each you other? Guys, yeah, are you guys, you know, not compatible, but just are you guys committed to mm -hmm. one another? Yeah. And it did not it did not help us in a way or guide us in practical terms in yeah. terms of like how to navigate money or sex or any or parenting, which mm -hmm. that was further down the line. But yeah, none of the day to day conflict management, any of those, any of those kind of things. I actually kind of remember maybe doing a personality test. For yeah. Me? I think we did prepare and rich, which is um, a, you know, a okay. pretty robust, um, assessment that kind of says like what are what are your views on this what are my views on this and then how do we agree or disagree on that um yeah and i just i don't think that <laughs> Lindsay keeps like drifting away from the microphone which is fine well, but it's, it's gonna... harder it's harder to like you yeah. know try to pretend like i'm not talking into a microphone when it's right in my face that's fair so, <laughs> just drift away um i forgot what i was gonna say that's fine um but I think if we're going to, if we were to round this out into a broader point, it is saying, you know, if, you know, if this, if there's a target audience for these episodes, it's probably going to be people who are um, either 
considering be, being married or in that sort of premarital phase, but also if you're in a relationship and finding yourself in conflict that you're having a hard time naming, um, it's possible that it's some of these things that we really don't pay close attention to. Because I think that you mentioned we're both mature, relatively insightful people, and yet there are things in relationships, especially as we launch them, that we just don't pay close attention to. And one of those things is roles. Like how are we um, going to collaborate in some of the things that are a little bit more difficult in life? And some of those things are high conflict spaces like um, you know, money and sex and parenting and those types of things. Other things are more low conflict like you know, chores. Um, chores can end up being high conflict, but um, in all of those things, um, it, it takes some flexibility, it takes some kind of give and take, it takes doing things that are not fun to do. I think about there are still chores that you and I like uh, loathe doing, like handling raw meat is something that neither of us like. Um, and so there's a balance to it, you know, mm -hmm. like um, I, I, yeah, we just, we, we find a way, you know, and, and some of that is having conversations about, okay, like, you know, we need to um, make this meal. So who's going to do the prep? Who's going to do the cleanup? How are we going to, you know, make sure that it's prepared and things like yeah. that. I think that even when we didn't know how to necessarily navigate it I feel like we always at least I don't know we were willing to have conversations and be honest about it sure. and figure out a way or a plan um, yeah you you mentioned in the sort of you know one or two conversations that we had leading up to this podcast um, this idea of like certain skills that you felt like we, we didn't have as finely tuned. Maybe mm -hmm. there was some like innate capacity for them, but it weren't things that we were practicing in our relationship. Yeah. Um, like for you, if you're thinking like, man, if I could go back in time and give my, you know, 21 year old self, that's whole when we got married, give my 21 year old self one skill that would allow them to avoid conflict more effectively, be more connected in those types of mm -hmm. things, what would that be? Validation. Validation. It's almost like I knew you were going to say that. Um, <laughs> so what for you, like, how did you see that, like, taking shape over the course of our relationship? I've got a story. I don't know if you've got one. I don't remember how it's how it took shape. I just don't ever remember being – I don't even know if I recognize the word mm -hmm. as a 21-year-old, you know, being married. Um I remember you being my teacher in that, and you, I don't know if you learned it before grad school. Probably not. Um, so thanks to your career path for helping us. Um, yeah, I just, I remember you explaining the skill of validation and the importance of it. And I, right away, it was like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, of course you would do that. But the actual doing it, was much harder to do. I yeah. mean, and it remains really hard. You know? Yeah, I feel like it's just a practice that, um, it, with every school, skill, I guess, the more that you practice and the better you become. Yeah. Um, I, I remember, I don't, this was probably uh, four or five years into our marriage. Um, and this was in a space when um, I had probably been out and doing a little bit of counseling. And so I had actually been um, in one of those, am I going to practice what I preach kind of mentalities. But I remember us driving um, and we were at like 119th and uh, row. Very specific. Um, 
Well, I, I remember the, that's like a flashbulb memory in my head. Um, I remember, I don't remember what we were fighting about, but I remember this moment of saying like, okay, like I can stick to my guns in the space of this conflict and we can drift farther apart. Or I can just say, yeah, you know what, Lindsay, that sounds like it would be really hard. And I can, and I can understand why you felt the way that you felt based on, you know, the way that I interacted. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and it's tough because that is not, um, like you said, it's not a skill that you learn. It's not something that you are, um, in our culture really encouraged to do. Mm -hmm. Um, it's very much more, and, and again, it's not just that we didn't learn that skill, but it's that we learned other skills that were not nearly right. as helpful. So you we know? have to, in addition to that important skill, we are unlearning the ones that we were using. Right. right. Um, do you think that you should define it? Define validation. In case, sure, in sure. In case we have. The <laughs> yeah. So the way that I uh, teach it to my clients um, is I, I just first ask them like, what is what does that word kind of mean for you? Um, and a lot of times people will communicate understanding. Um, and I think that there is certainly some overlap between validation and understanding, uh, but more than understanding validation, if I like were to trace it back to its roots, it's this idea of to make true. Like, um, you take a thing and you acknowledge it as real. So you think about it as like, um, a key card to gain entry into a building and it's like, it validates it or it doesn't, um, or validating a parking ticket, you know, it says like, I was in this place. This, mm -hmm. this is a sort of a, a statement of fact. Um, so validation is looking at your partner's experience and saying, yep, that is a real experience. Mm -hmm. Um, even if it's not something we're inclined to understand, even if it's not something that we would feel were we in our partner's shoes, um, even if we feel like our partner's experience is in sort of direct conflict with ours, um, validation is just, is one of those things where it says, okay, I'm going to sort of step outside of my own needs of my own position, what I would need to, uh, to feel most okay in the situation and say, to prioritize connection, I'm going to look at your experience and say, yes, your experience is real. Here's why it is real. Um, and then just really allowing that to be um, sort of the jumping off point for connection rather than one of conflict, rather than me saying, oh, well, that's not how it is. Or, you know, well, that's not what I was trying to do. Or, you know, some of those, right. which again are more of our instincts. Yeah. I feel like if I could remember just conversations or conflict that we would have I feel like it was before trying the validation method um. every time I summon her to the microphone she she laughs um, you can cut this out right uh, so before um, trying the validation method I feel like we like the conversation would be about sharing our experience but it would only be that like it would be trying to it was just very defensive it was back and forth like it was more about like who started it mm -hmm. um because a lot of times what would happen and i'm sure this is true for a lot of people um you know someone hurt the other mm -hmm. and then that reaction to that that discomfort the pain or whatever that was caused would then elicit a, a reaction that was hurtful. And mm -hmm. so like it would just kind of go and continue and both parties are hurt and both are defensive of it and trying to explain how they're hurt. But 
I feel like validation kind of just stopped in in its tracks and allowed us, yeah. like you said, to connect and almost just like stop trying to be right. Yeah. Um, or stop trying to um, just, I don't know, like the, I know you talked about like how it's more than understanding, but the yeah. the phrase seek to understand instead of under, be understood. Be understood, yeah. That's, I think, part of a the Franciscan prayer. Yeah. Um, Which I know, I mean, saying it is much easier when you're... Yeah, yeah. And honestly, I think it was part of the reason why I remember that moment when I was in the car was because it was like a painful thing. Like for me to be able to say like, I'm going to sort of deny my instinct to fight this mm -hmm. and instead say that like connection is more important. Um, and so I don't know. I, I, I think that prior to that, I validated maybe 10% of the time. And since yeah. that, I validate 12% of the time. No, um, <laughs> sure. But it's, but again, it's, I just want to name for people that it isn't an easy thing to do necessarily. Like it is, there are a lot of, um, sort of cultural forces that are pushing against, you know, the, the urge to validate in that way. So this is so much deeper and richer than I think that you anticipated. Um, but one of the things that, uh, as you, you read me a list of some of the things that you were thinking about, um, one of the other ones that stuck out to me was this idea of like self, like making space for the self. Um, you know, we, so we started off our relationship in high school and I was like all about you. We spent so much of our time just together, you and me, or as a part of like a group where you and I were both present. And we went to college and you know, because we were, we knew each other, like we were not, we had, I mean, we had a small circle of friends in college, but like we spent a lot of time together um, because we didn't, you know, we're, we weren't, neither of us were like super social college party scene kind of people. Um, so we were never really that practiced in like, being our own people separate from one another. And I think right. that when we got married, um, that's something that, um, it, you know, and even to this day is like still taking shape. Uh, but early on, I think that we did probably a poor job of, you know, creating that space for ourselves. I don't know if that's something that you think so too. Did it feel for you like, um, like you wanted to be, sort of an individual separate from the relationship and that like wasn't available to you. I know that for me, it, it sometimes felt like I didn't have the skills to be in sort of social spaces. The, one of the stories that I tell people is that when I was in grad school, and this would have been, you know, within the first year or two of us getting married, um, I went out with some people that were um, uh, my, you know, grad school friends and um, somebody ordered shots for everybody. Um, at the, we were at Kelly's in Westport, and somebody ordered shots for everybody. And I had no idea how to act. I didn't know like, do I, what if do I do I pay this guy for the shot that he just gave me? Do I have to buy a shot for him? Do I have to buy a shot for everybody? Do we all take turns buying shots? Like I had never been in a bar friend situation before, and like that, just, I just left. Like that was the, I was so anxious about like the etiquette of that situation that I just left, and I think. Part of me, I was so unpracticed in being in those kinds of social spaces that I just sort of defaulted to the rhythms of our relationship, which didn't necessarily allow for the cultivation, you know, of our individual spaces or needs. I know that for you, like, this has been um, really only, I mean, I, I don't want to minimize work that you had done prior to this, um, but in the past couple of years where you've, like, 
felt the freedom to look inward and say like, who do, who do I want to be? What's going to make me come alive? I don't know if there's anything you want to share about that. Well, I don't know about that in particular, but I was just thinking about, for me, I don't think it was, I don't think that it was about me feeling insecure or not capable Mm. in like the etiquette or social dynamics. I think that I was, I've always been a highly emotional person and like I just have lots of feelings and I feel like having a person fully understand me and be vulnerable with, it's hard to then have other relationships that Mm. are more surface level. Like that just doesn't appeal to me as much. Mm, Yeah. And so like I had a, a couple like close friends, but I just never was drawn to having a bunch of, a bunch of people know me hmm. like you knew me. Yeah. And so I just, it was easier for me to default to someone that truly understood me or right. to the couple of friends that I had that I felt comfortable being vulnerable with and mm-hmm. who I knew loved me for, for me. Right. So. Yeah. And I think by and large, like, you know, live the life you want to live. Like we're not saying to people, like if you feel most at home in the embrace of your partner, then that's, than be in that place. Sure. Um, but I think that for a lot of us, I think that this is true of us. Like one of the things that I learned, um, this is a few years ago in therapy, um, was that, um, you used to work the night shift three nights a week. That was like your full-time schedule. And, um, I like, those were like three nights off of our relationship basically. Cause like mm-hmm. you were working at basketball and I was like home alone or I would go out and be with friends. And this is kind of before we had kids. Um, but one of the things that I learned there sort of realized in therapy was that when you came back from maternity leave and no longer, uh, worked three nights a week, you would work, you know, one or two nights a week. Mm-hmm. Um, like that, that was a loss. Like the, sure. the idea that like, Oh, that, that, that was a space that I'd really lived into. And now that space is gone. And I think one of the things that we can have a difficult time with is saying, Hey, I don't want to spend time with you tonight. Like I want to spend time on my own tonight. Um, like that's it. We, we feel like we're hurting our partner's feelings by saying that, like, I'll tell you right now, there's a new halo game out. Um, and as much as I'm like a pacifist and nonviolent person, there is part of me that like, I want to buy that halo game and I want to spend some time playing it, but why can't I? Because I want to watch a show together. <laughs> what show do you want to watch specifically? Outlander. Outlander. We started watching Outlander. We had a vacation last week, and um, and actually, I think it started on anniversary weekend uh, when we didn't have the kids, and we watched like a whole season in a weekend. Yeah. Um, but again, that's that's part of that rhythm that we're still trying to find our way of navigating through. Which well, is, and I think you know, it's. I mean, that's depending on the context and the season that we're in, trying to maintain um, time for ourselves and. Mm-hmm you know, time for our own interests, time for our friends, time for whatever it is. Mm. I think that we at least have been getting better at just being intentional and scheduling it when we have weekly family meetings that you love so much. (laughs) I think I've talked about those in our (laughs) podcast before. Oh yeah. We're getting better at those too. Maybe that could be a whole other podcast. No, Yeah, Um, we are. What? We are getting better at them. I think. Yeah. Um, we understand what each other needs and mm-hmm. anyway so I think that we're getting better at and one of the things we those yeah we schedule like self-care yeah 
in so we know that and obviously we can be spontaneous and if we're feeling Mm -hmm. I feel I don't know I was about to say I don't know if we're introverts or extroverts or if that makes a difference but well I think that it can one of the things that I tell couples in the premarital class that I used to teach is that you know you're you take a personality assessment, the preparedness assessment prior to coming into that class, and it sort of gives you a score in terms of how introverted or extroverted you are. And one of the things I tell them is like, it doesn't really matter where you are on that. You just need to know about it. You need to pay attention to what are the spaces that are going to give you energy and what are the spaces that are going to take away energy. Um, And you and I, I think generally find that like when we're around adults, like you, I think, Yeah, like when we're not just spending time with our kids like 24 seven, um, like when we have people over, we sure. have this rhythm sometimes where like you want to, you want to keep the party going until 2am oh, yeah. and I'm like, I will sometimes say to people like, you are welcome to hang out in my house as long as you like, but I'm going to bed. Like, yes, this is true. Um, like, <laughs> I don't know, it was a while ago we were having like a driveway socially distanced thing and like my father-in-law and my brother-in-law just hung out in my driveway till midnight and I was in bed by 10 because it's just like, again, those are spaces where like I have a, I have a limit for sort of how connected I can be in those spaces. But, and I think we're still learning, like how do we accept that in one another? How do we become comfortable with the fact that we're going to have different needs in those kinds of spaces? But, um, but again, that speaks to us being individual people and recognizing that like, we're not always going to approach the same situation in the same way. Um, we're going to need different levels of, um, you know, care and support as we engage situations, um, that are like that. So, um, anything else to say regarding, you know, what it is to be oneself in the space of a relationship or anything like that? I think just making sure that you as a individual are being honest and mm. being you, um, regardless sure. of the consequences, regardless of whether that disappoints your partner or not. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how I think, to elaborate no, on that. No, that's, more, I think but. what that makes me think of is <laughs> you and I, um, like, uh, like you do this thing where when I'm trying to like leave or go do something or like you want to <laughs> hug me like 10 times and like, I love that you love me so much, but I've communicated to you in the best. Like it makes me feel like I'm not allowed to go because you're so energetic about keeping me, um, connected. And here's the thing, like we love to be together and kind of left to our own devices. We might be together all the time, but I think what that can do is deny certain parts of our authenticity. Like if I was if I didn't give you the time to do, you know, some of the personal self growth stuff that you've been doing over the past couple of years, um, that could be potentially problematic. So I think it it works both ways, but it's, um, it's not only checking, you know, our, our own desires to keep our partners sort of into our own spaces, but also, you know, vice versa. Like we want to hold ourselves in our spaces sometimes because it's more comfortable. But if we recognize like there's growing that I can be doing apart from my partner, um, and that's going to help me be, you know, the best person that I can be, that there's a lot of value in that. Um, well, Lindsay, this has been a joy. Um, and, uh, what were you going to say? Well, I, I just, we didn't talk about everything. I Well, honey, this is a 30 minute podcast. It's, we're at the 32 and a half minute mark. Um, and, uh, but this was, what was the title of this again? What we wish we'd known. Can I just add another thing? Yeah. You can add another thing. Or or we could just revisit this topic later and we could just leave everybody in suspense. No, go ahead and tell them. 
Well, no, I was just thinking, and this is going back to the first, you talked about the skill of validation, and we touched on, obviously, that skill is used in a lot of conflict, and I remember the one, like, early on in our marriage, conflict felt really big, Mm. and I feel like it felt really scary, it felt like I would catastrophize at times, and so if I could tell my 21-year-old self or 22-year-old self, like, that conflict is okay, and that you know, it's not going to beat us that we can manage it. And, um, yeah, that's a phrase that we've adopted over the past several years is like, this isn't going to beat us. And sometimes that's with conflict. Sometimes that's just when life is really hard, but that like, um, and I, I've mentioned this on the podcast before and you mentioned today that you hate it when I do this, but I will sometimes say like, do you want to get a divorce? And your answer is always no. And so then we just work backwards from there. Like, okay, this isn't going to be the thing that leads to divorce. So let's, let's engage this productively. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and decide for yourselves whether something that dramatic is something that would work in the space of your relationship. But, um, no, I think that that's fair. Um, you know, we actually tell people in the premarital class, like, you're going to have a big fight. Like, it's just, it's going to happen. Um, that doesn't mean you're broken or an incompatible relationship. But, um, yeah, it did feel really big a lot of the time. And, and it's, you know, we would sometimes go, you know, a day or two just, just feeling really disconnected from each other because it felt so insurmountable. See, and that um, seems funny because now yeah. our conflicts don't last longer than, like, half an hour yeah and 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 i think part of that is just because we're wow someone's peeling out um (laughs) and so that's what that if you heard that i don't know that's a that's what that was um but yeah it's our we i think have found the kinds of rhythms that we need to allow allow conflict to happen like we don't resist conflict in the way that we used to like um and that i think is where um because we're not afraid of it you know it's Mm -hmm. we don't think that it's something that's gonna you know make us come apart at the seams so now I want to say that this has been a joy and that I really have enjoyed connecting with you in this way um and uh, listeners if this is something that you enjoy let me know and and I'll bring Lindsay back as often as I can talk her into it um and uh, I for one look forward to hearing Ginger and Rob uh connect um for next week's episode um so please tune in for that um, you can get in touch with me at talkingwithjames.com. Uh, Ginger's information is at compassionfix.com. And we hope that uh, this has been helpful and instructive for you. And we look forward to connecting with you next time. Lindsay, will you sign us out with uh, the thing that we say at the end of all our episodes? Yes. Be well. Be well.